Book Seven, Part Two of the Aeneid. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Alan Brown. The Aeneid by Publius Virgilius Maro, translated by John Dryden, Book Seven. Juno served by a fury. Part. Two. Amata's breast the fury thus invades, And fires with rage amid the sylvan shades. Then, when she found her venom spread so far, The royal house embroiled in civil war, Raised on her dusky wings she cleaves the skies, And seeks the palace where young Turnus lies. His town, as fame reports, was built of old by Danae, pregnant with almighty gold, who fled her father's rage, and, with a train of following Argives, through the stormy main, driven by the southern blasts, was fated here to reign. T'was Ardua once, now Ardea's name it bears, once a fair city, now consumed with years. Here, in his lofty palace, Turnus lay, Betwixt the confines of the night and day, Secure in sleep. The fury laid aside her looks and limbs, And with new methods tried the foulness Of the infernal form to hide. Propped on a staff, she takes a trembling mien. Her face is furrowed, and her front obscene. Deep-dented wrinkles on her cheek she draws. Sunk are her eyes, and toothless are her jaws. Her hoary hair with holy fillets bound, Her temples with an olive wreath are crowned. Old Calibi, who kept the sacred fane of Juno, Now she seemed, and thus began, Appearing in a dream to rouse the careless man. Shall Turnus then such endless toil sustain In fighting fields? and conquer towns in vain, win for a Trojan head to wear the prize, usurp thy crown, enjoy thy victories, the bride and scepter which thy blood has bought the king transfers, and foreign heirs are sought. Go now, deluded man, and seek again new toils, new dangers on the dusty plain. Repel the Tuscan foes, their city seize, Protect the Latians in luxurious ease. This dream all-powerful Juno sends, I bear her mighty mandates, and her words you hear. Haste, arm your Ardeans, issue to the plain. With fate to friend assault the Trojan train, Their thoughtless chiefs, their painted ships that lie in Tiber's mouth with fire and sword destroy. The Latian king, unless he shall submit, own his old promise, and his new forget. Let him in arms the power of Turnus prove, and learn to fear whom he disdains to love. For such is heaven's command. The youthful prince with scorn replied, and made this bold defense. You tell me, mother, what I knew before. 
the phrygian fleet is landed on the shore i neither fear nor will provoke the war my fate is juno's most peculiar care but time has made you dote and vainly tell of arms imagined in your lonely cell go be the temple and the gods your care permit to men the thought of peace and war these haughty words alecto's rage provoke and frighted turnus trembled as she spoke her eyes grow stiffened and with sulphur burn her hideous looks and hellish form return her curling snakes with hissings fill the place and open all the furies of her face then darting fire from her malignant eyes she cast him backward as he strove to rise and lingering sought to frame some new replies high on her head she rears two twisted snakes her chains she rattles and her whip she shakes and churning bloody foam thus loudly speaks behold whom time has made to dote and tell of arms imagined in her lonely cell behold the fates infernal minister war death destruction in my hand i bear thus having said her smouldering torch impressed with her full force she plunged into his breast aghast he waked in starting from his bed cold sweat in clammy drops his limbs o'erspread arms arms he cries my sword and shield prepare he breathes defiance blood and mortal war so when with crackling flames a cauldron fries the bubbling waters from the bottom rise above the brims they force their fiery way black vapors climb aloft and cloud the day the peace polluted thus a chosen band he first commissions to the latian land in threatening embassy then raised the rest to meet in arms the intruding trojan guest to force the foes from the lavinian shore and italy's endangered peace restore himself alone an equal match he boasts to fight the phrygian and ausonian hosts the gods invoked the rutuli prepare their arms and warn each other to the war his beauty these and those his blooming age the rest his house and his own fame engage while turnus urges thus his enterprise the stygian fury to the trojans flies new frauds invents and takes a steepy stand which overlooks the vale with wide command where fair ascanius and his youthful train with horns and hounds a hunting match ordain and pitch their toils around the shady plain the fury fires the pack they snuff they vent and feed their hungry nostrils with the scent twas of a well-grown stag whose antlers rise high o'er his front his beams invade the skies from this light cause the infernal maid prepares the country churls to mischief hate and wars the stately beast the two tyridae bred snatched from his dams and the tame youngling fed their father tyreus did his fodder bring tyreus chief ranger to the latian king 
their sister Sylvia cherished with her care the little wanton, and did wreaths prepare to hang his budding horns, with ribbons tied his tender neck, and combed his silken hide, and bathed his body. Patient of command in time he grew, and, growing used to hand, he waited at his master's board for food, then sought his salvage kindred in the wood, where grazing all the day, at night he came to his known lodgings and his country dame. This household beast that used the woodland grounds was viewed at first by the young hero's hounds. As down the stream he swam to seek retreat in the cool waters and to quench his heat, Ascanius, young and eager of his game, soon bent his bow, uncertain in his aim. But the dire fiend the fatal arrow guides, which pierced his bowels through his panting sides. The bleeding creature issues from the floods, possessed with fear, and seeks his known abodes, his old familiar hearth and household gods. He falls. He fills the house with heavy groans, implores their pity, and his pain bemoans. Young Sylvia beats her breast and cries aloud for succor from the clownish neighborhood. The churls assemble, for the fiend who lay in the close woody covert urged their way. One with a brand yet burning from the flame, armed with a knotty club, another came. Whate'er they catch or find, without their care, their fury makes an instrument of war. Tyreus, the foster-father of the beast, then clinched a hatchet in his horny fist, but held his hand from the descending stroke, and left his wedge within the cloven oak, to whet their courage and their rage provoke. And now the goddess exercised in ill, who watched an hour to work her impious will, ascends the roof, and to her crooked horn, such as was then by Latian shepherds born, adds all her breath. The rocks and woods around, and mountains tremble at the infernal sound. The sacred lake of trivia from afar, the veline fountains, and the sulfurious gnar, shake at the baleful blast the signal of the war. Young mothers wildly stare, with fear possessed, and strain their helpless infants to their breast. The clowns, a boisterous, rude, ungoverned crew, with furious haste to the loud summons flew. The powers of Troy, then issuing on the plain with fresh recruits, their youthful chief sustain. Not theirs a raw and unexperienced train, but a firm body of embattled men, at first, while fortune favored neither side, the fight with clubs and burning brands was tried. But now, both parties reinforced, the fields are bright with flaming swords and brazen shields. A shining harvest either host displays, and shoots against the sun with equal rays. Thus when a black-browed gust begins to rise, white foam at first on the curled ocean fries. Then roars the main, the billows mount the skies, Till, by the fury of the storm full-blown, The muddy bottom o'er the clouds is thrown. 
first almond falls old tyreus eldest care pierced with an arrow from the distant war fixed in his throat the flying weapon stood and stopped his breath and drank his vital blood huge heaps of slain around the body rise among the rest the rich galesus lies a good old man while peace he preached in vain amidst the madness of the unruly train five herds five bleating flocks his pastures filled his lands a hundred yoke of oxen tilled thus while in equal scales their fortunes stood the fury bathed them in each other's blood then having fixed the fight exulting flies and bears fulfilled her promise to the skies to juno thus she speaks behold it is done the blood already drawn the war begun the discord is complete nor can they cease the dire debate nor you command the peace now since the latian and the trojan brood have tasted vengeance and the sweets of blood speak and my power shall add this office more the neighboring nations of the ausonian shore shall hear the dreadful rumor from afar of armed invasion and embrace the war then juno thus the grateful work is done the seeds of discord sowed the war begun frauds fears and fury have possessed the state and fixed the causes of a lasting hate a bloody hymen shall the alliance join betwixt the trojan and ausonian line but thou with speed to night and hell repair for not the gods nor angry jove will bear thy lawless wandering walks in upper air leave what remains to me saturnia said the sullen fiend her sounding wings displayed unwilling left the light and sought the nether shade in midst of italy well known to fame there lies a lake amsanctus is the name below the lofty mounts on either side thick forests the forbidden entrance hide full in the centre of the sacred wood an arm arises of the stygian flood which breaking from beneath with bellowing sound whirls the black waves and rattling stones around here pluto pants for breath from out his cell and opens wide the grinning jaws of hell to this infernal lake the fury flies here hides her hated head and frees the laboring skies saturnian juno now with double care attends the fatal process of the war the clowns returned from battle bear the slain implore the gods and to their king complain the corpse of almon and the rest are shown shrieks clamors murmurs fill the frighted town ambitious turnus in the press appears and aggravating crimes augments their fears proclaims his private injuries aloud a solemn promise made and disavowed a foreign son is sought and a mixed mongrel brood then they whose mothers frantic with their fear in woods 
and wiles the flags of Bacchus bear, and lead his dances with disheveled hair, increase the clamor and the war demand. Such was Amata's interest in the land. Against the public sanctions of the peace, against all omens of their ill success, with fates averse, the rout in arms resort to force their monarch and insult the court. But, like a rock unmoved, a rock that braves the raging tempest and the rising waves, propped on himself he stands. His solid sides wash off the seaweeds and the sounding tides. So stood the pious prince, unmoved, and long sustained the madness of the noisy throng. But when he found that Juno's power prevailed, and all the methods of cool counsel failed, he calls the gods to witness their offense, disclaims the war, asserts his innocence. Hurried by fate, he cries, and borne before a furious wind, we have the faithful shore, Oh, more than madmen, you yourself shall bear the guilt of blood in sacrilegious war. Thou, Turnus, shalt atone it by thy fate, and pray to heaven for peace, but pray too late. For me, my stormy voyage, at an end, I to the port of death securely tend. The funeral pomp, which to your kings you pay, is all I want, and all you take away. He said no more, but, in his walls confined, shut out the woes which he too well divined, nor with the rising storm would vainly strive, but left the helm, and let the vessel drive. A solemn custom was observed of old, which Latium held, and now the Romans hold. Their standard when in fighting fields they rear against the fierce Hyrcanians, or declare the Scythian, Indian, or Arabian war, or from the boasting Parthians would regain their eagles, lost in Carhai's bloody plain, two gates of steel, the name of Mars they bear, and still are worshipped with religious fear, before his temple stand, the dire abode, and the feared issues of the furious god are fenced with brazen bolts. Without the gates the wary guardian Janus doubly waits. Then, when the sacred senate votes the wars, the Roman consul their decree declares, and in his robes the sounding gates unbars. The youth in military shouts arise, and the loud trumpets break the yielding skies. These rites, of old by sovereign princes used, were the king's office, but the king refused, deaf to their cries, nor would the gates unbar of sacred peace, or loose the imprisoned war, but hid his head, and, safe from loud alarms, abhorred the wicked ministry of arms. Then heaven's imperious queen shot down from high, at her approach the brazen hinges fly, the gates are forced, and every falling bar, and, like a tempest, issues out the war. The peaceful cities of Thousonian shore, 
lulled in their ease and undisturbed before are all on fire and some with studious care their restive steeds in sandy plains prepare some their soft limbs in painful marches try and war is all their wish and arms the general cry part scour the rusty shields with seam and part new grind the blunted axe and point the dart with joy they view the waving ensigns fly and hear the trumpet's clangor pierce the sky five cities forge their arms the atenian powers antemni tiber with her lofty towers ardea the proud the crustumerian town all these of old were places of renown some hammer helmets for the fighting field some twine young sallows to support the shield the crosslet some and some the quishes mold with silver plated and with ductile gold the rustic honors of the scythe and share give place to swords and plumes the pride of war old falchions are new tempered in the fires the sounding trumpet every soul inspires the word is given with eager speed they lace the shining headpiece and the shield embrace the neighing steeds are to the chariot tied the trusty weapon sits on every side and now the mighty labor is begun ye muses open all your helicon sing you the chiefs that swayed the ausonian land their arms and armies under their command what warriors in our ancient clime were bred what soldiers followed and what heroes led for well you know and can record alone what fame to future times conveys but darkly down mezentius first appeared upon the plain scorn sate upon his brows and sour disdain defying earth and heaven etruria lost he brings to turnus aid his baffled host the charming lausus full of youthful fire rode in the rank and next his sullen sire to turnus only second in the grace of manly mien and features of the face a skilful horseman and a huntsman bred with fates averse a thousand men he led his sire unworthy of so brave a son himself well worthy of a happier throne next aventinus drives his chariot round the latian plains with palms and laurels crowned proud of his steeds he smokes along the field his father's hydra fills his ample shield a hundred serpents hiss about the brims the son of hercules he justly seems by his broad shoulders and gigantic limbs of heavenly part and part of earthly blood a mortal woman mixing with a god for strong alcides after he had slain the triple gerion drove from conquered spain his captive herds and thence in triumph led on tuscan tiber's flowery banks they fed then on mount aventine the son of jove the priestess rhea found and forced to love for arms his men long piles and javelins bore and poles with pointed steel their foes in battle gore like hercules himself his son appears in salvage pomp a lion's head he wears about his shoulders hangs the shaggy skin 
the teeth and gaping jaws severely grin. Thus, like the god his father, homely dressed, he strides into the hall, a horrid guest. Then two twin brothers from the fair Tiber came, which from their brother Tiber's took the name. Fierce Chorus and Catillus, void of fear, armed Argive horse they led, and in the front appear. Like cloud-born centaurs, from the mountain's height with rapid course descending to the fight, they rush along, the rattling woods give way, the branches bend before their sweepy sway. Nor was Prynestes founder wanting there, whom fame reports the son of Mulciber, found in the fire and fostered in the plains, a shepherd and a king at once he reigns, and leads to Turnus's aid his country swains. His own Prynestes sends a chosen band, with those who plough Saturnia's Gabine land, besides the succor which cold Aenean yields, the rocks of Hernicus and the dewy fields, Ananya fat, and father Amasini, a numerous rout, but all of naked men, nor arms they wear, nor swords and bucklers wield, nor drive the chariot through the dusty field, but whirl from leathern slings huge balls of lead, and spoils of yellow wolves adorn their head, their left foot naked when they march to fight, but in a bull's raw hide they sheathe the right. Messapus next, great Neptune was his sire, secure of steel and fated from the fire. In pomp appears and with his ardor warms a heartless train, unexercised in arms. The just Faliscans he to battle brings, and those who live where Lake Chimenea springs, and where Feronia's grove and temple stands, who till Fescinian or Flavinian lands. All these in order march, and marching sing the warlike actions of their sea-born king. Like a long team of snowy swans on high, which clap their wings and cleave the liquid sky, when homeward from their watery pastures borne, they sing, and Asia's lakes their notes return. Not one who heard their music from afar would think these troops an army trained to war, but flocks of fowl that, when the tempests roar, with their hoarse gabbling seek the silent shore. Then Clausus came, who led a numerous band of troops embodied from the Sabine land, and in himself alone an army brought, "'Twas he the noble Claudian race begot, "'the Claudian race, ordained in times to come "'to share the greatness of imperial Rome. "'He led the Curies forth of old renown, "'Mutuscans from their olive-bearing town, "'and all the Eritrean powers, "'besides a band that followed from Velinum's dewy land, "'and Amaternian troops of mighty fame, "'and mountaineers that from Severus came.' and from the craggy cliffs of Tetrica, and those where yellow Tiber takes his way, and where Hymella's wanton waters play. Casperia sends her arms, and with those that lie by Faberis, and fruitful Foruli. The warlike aids of Horta next appear, and the cold Nursians come to close the rear. Mixed with the natives born of Latine blood, whom Alia washes with her fatal flood. 
not thicker billows beat the Libyan main when pale Orion sets in wintry rain, nor thicker harvests on rich Hermus rise, nor Lycian fields when Phoebus burns the skies. Then stand these troops, their bucklers ring around, their trampling turns the turf and shakes the solid ground. High in his chariot then Halesus came, a foe by birth to Troy's unhappy name, from Agamemnon born. To Turnus' aid a thousand men the youthful hero led, who tilled the massic soil for wine renowned, and fierce Aruncans from their hilly ground, and those who live by Sidonesian shores, and where with shoaly fords Fulturnus roars. Cales and Oscar's old inhabitants, and rough Saticulans inured to wants, light demi-lances from afar they throw, fastened with leathern thongs to gall the foe. Short, crooked swords in closer fight they wear, and on their warding arm light bucklers bear. Nor, Oibalus, shalt thou be left unsung from nymph Semethus and old Telon sprung, who then in Teleboan Capri reigned, but that short isle the ambitious youth disdained. And o'er Campania stretched his ample sway, where swelling Sarnus seeks the Tyrene sea, or Batulum, and where Abella sees from her high towers the harvest of her trees. And these, as was the Teuton use of old, wield brazen swords and brazen bucklers hold, sling weighty stones when from afar they fight, their casks are cork, a covering thick and light. Next these in rank the warlike Ufanes went, and led the mountain troops that Nursia sent. The rude Equicoli his rule obeyed, hunting their sport, and plundering was their trade. In arms they plowed, to battle still prepared, their soil was barren, and their hearts were hard. Umbro the priest, the proud Morubians led, by King Archippus sent to Turnus's aid, and peaceful olives crowned his hoary head. His wand and holy words, the viper's rage, envenomed wounds of serpents could assuage. He, when he pleased with powerful juice to steep their temples, shut their eyes in pleasing sleep. But vain were Marcian herbs and magic art to cure the wound given by the Dardan dart. Yet his untimely fate, the Angetian woods, in sighs remurmured to the Fusine floods. The son of famed Hippolytus was there, famed as his sire and as his mother fair, whom in Egerian groves Arisha bore, and nursed his youth along the marshy shore where great Diana's peaceful altars flame in fruitful fields, and Virbius was his name. Hippolytus, as old records have said, was by his stepdam sought to share her bed, but when no female arts his mind could move, she turned to furious hate, her impious love. Torn by wild horses on the sandy shore, another's crimes the unhappy hunter bore, glutting his father's eyes with guiltless gore. But chaste Diana, who his death deplored, With Esculapian herbs his life restored. Then Jove, who saw from high with just disdain, The dead inspired with vital breath again, Struck to the center with his flaming dart, 
the unhappy founder of the godlike art. But Trivia kept in secret shades alone her care, Hippolytus, to fate unknown, and called him Virbius in the Egerian grove, where then he lived obscure but safe from Jove. For this from Trivia's temple and her wood are coursers driven, who shed their master's blood, affrighted by the monsters of the flood. His son, the second Virbius, yet retained his father's art and warrior steeds he reigned. Amid the troops, and like the leading god, high o'er the rest in arms, the graceful Turnus rode, a triple of plumes his crest adorned, on which with belching flames Chimaira burned. The more the kindled combat rises higher, the more with fury burns the blazing fire. Fair Io graced his shield, but Io now with horns exalted stands, and seems to low. A noble charge, her keeper by her side, to watch her walks, his hundred eyes applied, and on the brims her sire, the watery god, rolled from a silver urn his crystal flood. A cloud of foot succeeds, and fills the fields with swords and pointed spears and clattering shields of Argives and of old Sicanian bands, and those who plough the rich Rutulian lands, Aurunkan youth, and those Sacrena yields, and the proud Labicans with painted shields, and those who near Numitian streams reside, and those whom Tiber's holy forests hide, or Circe's hills from the mainland divide, where Ufanes glides along the lowly lands, or the black water of Pomptina stands, Last, from the Volscians, fair Camilla came, and led her warlike troops, a warrior dame. Unbred to spinning, in the loom unskilled, she chose the nobler palace of the field. Mixed with the first, the fierce Virago fought, sustained the toils of arms, the danger sought. Outstripped the winds in speed upon the plain, flew o'er the fields, nor hurt the bearded grain. She swept the seas, and as she skimmed along, her flying feet unbathed on billows hung. Men, boys, and women, stupid with surprise, where'er she passes, fix their wondering eyes. Longing they look, and gaping at the sight, devour her o'er and o'er with vast delight. Her purple habit sits with such a grace on her smooth shoulders, and so suits her face. Her head with ringlets of her hair is crowned, and in a golden call the curls are bound. She shakes her myrtle javelin, and behind her lishen quiver dances in the wind. End of Book 7 Recording by Alan Brown, Houston, Texas